we're back on pushing the A here for an episode that really wouldn't have happened without investigative journalism, thus the opening to Spotlight. All the President's Men, for what it does in terms of brilliance, in terms of directing and acting, does not have the same iconic Spotlight soundtrack that the 2015 film incorporated. Highly suggested all. So let's talk Nixon and Watergate and Carter as we continue through the soundtrack here. I'm gonna turn that off. Okay. So um one quick thing before we get going here. The term stagflation um is a combination of stagnation and inflation. Just something to know before this episode. In June of 1972, um five Young men are arrested in the Watergate Hotel. Uh, as it turns out, they're working for the RNC and the creep, the committee to reelect the president. Um, so Nixon is bundled up in a whole bunch of messed up stuff. So he's discrediting the Democratic Party. That's my mom sneezing. Um, he's discrediting the Democratic Party using fake documents. He's using the IRS to harass... Um, his enemies on his list. He has an enemy list, which is kind of like the burn book. Um, he goes and has his men burgle um, the psychologist, bless you, mom, bless you, um, of the Pentagon Papers, um, the psychologist of the Pentagon Papers. He uses the CIA and the FBI to cover his tracks. His vice president, Spiro Agnew, has to resign over bribes he took in Maryland as governor and as the vice president. Um, so Ford replaces Agnew as VP, and then the Senate begins holding hearings between 1972 and 1974 on all of the uh, illicit activities Nixon has been involved in. He denies everything, um, and then the White House aide lets it slip that there are tapes of what Nixon has said. Um, so Nixon releases the tapes. They're very limited. Um, some of them are just like, blah, blah, blah. Welcome to the Oval Office. Thank you. I enjoy being here. Um, he, you know bleeps out any exploits he uses it's pretty it's pretty clean everyone's like oh no big deal then july the supreme court rules that executive privilege does not apply um so in a criminal matter the office of the president is not exempt from releasing important documents or files relevant to the case um so three tapes get subpoenaed and in june of 1974 the smoking gun tape is released and that is really what leads on to the end of Nixon. Um, Nixon also has used the CIA at this point to stop an inquiry inside of the FBI. Um, and it's a cover-up. So the House Judiciary Committee begins the processes of impeachment because Nixon has clearly been abusing his office and obstructing justice and been showing contempt of Congress. Bless you. All around me are familiar faces. Um, and the public is pissed off. So the Republicans basically say, look, you're a loose cannon right now. You're hurting the party. Resign before you're impeached and things get even worse. So he resigns at noon on August 8th, 1974. And it shows that the process of impeachment, which has never been done before, it works with the public has its back. That is the key takeaway here, that if people are pissed off enough, and I did some sort of supplemental research and I saw, basically his approval ratings got down to 
when he was impeached. When the public hates a president enough, then impeachment works. Um, and it also shows that no one, including the president, is above the law. He is held accountable, or she, I, is held accountable. Um, generally, America's faith in government is diminished, and the economy takes a large hit because of the lack of stability at the front. Um, Post-1960s, the economic boom that the United States had sort of been enjoying for the last 25-ish years ends. So the standard of living had been going up as productivity increased, and the productivity ends, um, and in the time that the productivity had been increasing, the quality of life in America had doubled. Um, and at the current rate, which was the same rate really as the past, it basically was emphasized that it would take about 500 years to double the growth of the standard of living again. Um, the median income then for this reason stagnates. Uh, the only reason that it actually is able to stay the same is because much of women enter the workforce and um, houses have become dual income houses, so that holds it down. People blame the teens um, and women for taking these jobs and they're, all, they're less skilled so they're less productive. Really, it's two things. One, um, it's three things. One, well, two things, definitely. It's one thing, arguably. The first thing that's certain is the United States economy shifts from a manufacturing economy to service, um, meaning it's harder to improve productivity in a service economy where you're working retail or you're cleaning or you're doing whatever um, versus, you know, putting together shirt waists. Um, the second thing is machinery, as it always does, continues to improve. Um, meaning productivity is up, but it actually is kicking people out of jobs. Um, and the last thing that Republicans and conservatives blame for the problems is regulation. Um, the other big thing is that Vietnam has taken a lot of tax money from education and from science um, and took a lot of scientific skill and manufacturing ability from civilian life. Um, and in the 1960s, the country was running at a deficit. Um, and they're spending on this deficit um, to do the Great Society Congress. Um, and they're also buying a lot of oil, which I don't realize. So inflation then suddenly goes on this huge peak um, because no one's adding any goods to the economy that have any value. So prices go way up. The quality of life between 1968 and 1980 has goes up, um, but then as inflation... Um, goes up, it sort of stagnates. And the reason that America also didn't modernize was because they thought they were just such an advanced nation, right? They thought they were so ahead of everyone else um, that they had no need to modernize it. There was no reason because no one could possibly catch up with them. And then as they sit on their laurels, Japan, Japan, Japan and Germany just leapfrog them um, in every industry. So especially Japan with Toyota in the auto industry and the Japanese steel industry and electronics. Um, Everyone's really frustrated, um, and also no one is putting any money into social institutions anymore. So just so we have our great stuffs die, or our great stuffs down. Johnson was the Great Society. Kennedy was New Frontier. Don't remember what Eisenhower was. Maybe New York? Who knows? Um, in August 1974, Congress voted forward in as the new president of the United States to replace Nixon. His intelligence is questioned. He has never been elected to um, 
a White House office, so he was never elected as the vice president. He was never elected as the president. One of the first things he does is he pardons Nixon, which really angers the Democrats and ruins his chances of re-election. Um, he wants to move forward with this policy of detente that Nixon has sort of kickstarted. Um, so in Finland, um, he signs an accord with the USSR um, that officially ends World War II because apparently America was still in it technically, um, and it recognizes Soviet borders for Poland and Eastern Europe in general, and it also signs them up to give them some food um, and some help with their economy. And the USSR, in turn, says, okay, we're going to give more liberties to our people, um, we're going to let our peoples exchange, so people can move about more freely, um, we're going to give people basic human rights, the third basket. Um, is what that is all called. That's at the Helsinki Accord. Western Europe is very happy. Um, Russia then goes on to continue to violate all those rights. Um, they don't let Jews from the Soviet Union emigrate out. And the United States is like, okay, so we just gave you a bunch of food and grain and diplomatic gains, and we're getting literally nothing in return, even for democracy. Um, so Congress then, in turn, goes and restricts trade with the USSR, um, making detente really impossible because America is just so frickin' pissed. In 1975, uh, shifting gears to the Vietnam War, um, which is almost over, there's only one more thing, uh, northern Vietnam goes to southern Vietnam. Um, Ford asks Congress for more weapons. Congress says, actually, no, we're not funding this anymore. I thought this was over. And so Saigon um, collapses. Um, and so in late April of 1975, America actually has to airlift about 140,000 Soviet, Soviet Southern Vietnamese and American troops by helicopter. Um, Ford is really concerned that when they are in Vietnam but have this American identity attached to them, the Southern Vietnamese people, that they will be killed for being um, having those Western ties. So he grants citizenship to some 500,000-odd southern Vietnamese, and it's officially the end of the war. America, for really the first time in its history, has flat out lost a war. They clearly won the Revolutionary War in 1812, and the Civil War, <laughs> if you're a racist, we lost, but if you're a decent human being, we won. Um, and... The World Wars, America wins. And then Vietnam is the first time that America has ever really flat out lost a war. Um, they peaked when they held northern Vietnam to a standstill. It cost $118 billion, 56,000 men's lives, 300,000 casualties in total. Um, southern Vietnam just didn't have the will to win, the will to um, be independent that northern Vietnam did. And American self-esteem and confidence um, goes down. And the military and the economy takes a hit. And this perception of American power really takes a hit. Okay, this is a really short chapter. We're going to be down in like five minutes. I'm not even kidding. And we've been going for how long? 11 minutes? Yeah, this is going to be great. Um, so going back to the activism culture of the 60s, almost every campus movement dies except for the feminist movement. Um, and they get a bunch of wins in court and gender roles are generally rethought across the country. On the anniversary of the suffrage um, movement, the 50th anniversary of women's right to vote, the Women's Stride for Equality occurs. Um, in 1972, Title IX is passed, which basically says there can't be any discrimination in schools, so that leads to women's sports. Um, Congress approves an Equal Rights Amendment, 
1972, 20 out of 38 states required to get it through immediately ratify it. Nixon and Ford like it. Um, the Supreme Court is helping out the feminist movement uh, in Reed versus Reed and Frontiero versus Richardson. Um, uh, and in Roe v. Wade, abortion is ruled a right on the basis of privacy in the Fourth Amendment. Um, and then things start turning uh, poorly for the movement. So in 1972, Nixon vetoes public daycare on the basis that it would hurt families. Um, the anti-feminist movement pops up. They blame feminists for a tripling in the divorce rate. Um, evangelicals and Catholics get really angry about Roe v. Wade. People turn their personal problems into grassroots movements. Um, and suddenly all these people come together, including the conservatives, um, and Phyllis Schlafly um, makes the case that the ERA um, would actually remove the protection that women have as um, lesser than um, from men. So they would actually lose out. Um, the ratification is blocked at state and city levels. And in 1979, um, the deadline to pass the Equal Rights Amendment is extended, um, but the battle is over and um, it dies in 1982. Um, however, women do get some gains in the workplace. So they join the labor force, they go into medicine and law and higher education. Um, and you see these feminist uh, and feminine enterprises, so battered women's shelters and rape crisis centers. Um, in terms of sexuality, um, you're seeing just a general change in the discord. Um, the idea of a family changes. Um, the way the media portrays women and family changes. Keeping it with the idea of equality, um, the civil rights movement sort of stagnates as well in the 70s. So in Milken versus Bradley in 1974, um, basically it rules that desegregated students cannot be forced to move over district lines um, to integrate a school. So students cannot be forced to go somewhere else that they are not in zone for to desegregate a school. Um, and basically, that's the suburbs. Um, so everyone who can moves out to the suburbs. Um, and white flight really increases. And so the most, the most sort of poorly... Um, situated sides. So the most poorly situated whites and the most poorly situated African Americans are sort of stuck in these inner city schools. Um, additionally, affirmative action is a hot topic as it always is. In uh, the case of Alan Bell, he goes to the Supreme Court and claims that he is being discriminated against in the reverse fashion because he was denied from medical school because of his race. UC Davis is told that they have to admit him um, and they basically say you can't make preferences in racial identity for college, um, but it can be taken into account for diversity. Thurgood Marshall, um, first black justice on the Supreme Court, dissents um, on account of the setbacks that it could cause for the civil rights movement. Um, Native Americans are inspired by the civil rights movement, and through the courts and through civil disobedience, they fight for semi-sovereignty. Uh, so they take the island of Alcatraz and Wounded Knee, and in U.S. versus Wheeler, it's ruled that tribes do have sovereignty under Congress and not the states, which is a step up. The year 1976 is the bicentennial and also an election. So Ford manages to hold on to the Republican nomination over Reagan, who's a member of the New Right. Um, the New Right is mainly Goldwater veterans um, who had spent the 70s building political action committees, PACs, um, 
and had started advocacy and doing sort of the shift towards populism that you really see in full swing in the Republican Party today and their anti-equal rights amendment and abortion and busing and communism and they don't want Detente. Um, Ford, though, manages to hold on. Um, and he nominates um, the sort of a centrist right Republican um, Nelson Rockefeller as his vice presidential campaign or as vice presidential candidate. Conservatives are pretty angry. They really wanted Ronald Reagan. Um, they'll get him soon. In the Democratic Party, Jimmy Carter, who is clean and unknown and a Georgian and obscure and sincere and delightful and a peanut farmer, um, basically runs a campaign against Nixon and Watergate on the, on the premise that he will never lie um, and that he will clean up the big government mess. So he wins 51% of the popular vote um, wins the electoral vote 297 to 240. Um, all of the southern states but Virginia go for him, and that is on account of the fact that he won 97% of the black vote. Um, Ford wins the white vote. Carter carries the south with the black vote. Um, Democratic majorities enter Congress. Carter isn't great at working with Congress, so um, he does get some stuff done. He sort of... He um, makes moves to oddly cut taxes um, and to establish the Department of Education and to pardon uh, the draft dodgers um, that sort of would have been punished under maybe a more conservative administration. All right, five more cards, literally. What time is it? It is sometime late at night. Seven, we're 18 minutes in. This is going to be over really quickly. Carter subscribes to this idea of humanitarian diplomacy. Um, so in the state of Rhodesia, now known as Zimbabwe, he champions sort of the black majority that's being silenced. In September of 1978, he invites the Egyptian and Israeli prime ministers to Camp David in Maryland to sign an accord that basically says Israel will give back some of the land it took from 1967 um, in return for Egypt respecting Israel's borders. Um, he normalizes relations with China. He gives the Panama Canal to Panama. This really pisses off conservatives. Um, 20 senators actually lose their seat over this or something similar to this. But as the Cold War is reheating, so the Cold War is reheating, Cuba is putting troops in Africa with the USSR. Um, the... I can't read my notes, I know, make fun of me. Um... Whatever it is, it couldn't have been that important, um... But something about Moscow relations, um, control stalls? Don't know. Hard to know. Um, whatever it is, the Cold War is reheating. Um, oh, Moscow relations stall. That's what it is. Moscow, Moscow arm control agreements stall. Should have just skipped ahead there. Um, economic health generally in the American economy is on the downswing. Um, so the recession, uh, helps inflation, actually, for Ford, as the floorboards creak in my house. Um, the recession helps inflation with Ford, so there's a minor recession in the mid-70s, Ford, uh, is helped, and then as soon as Carter goes back to office, prices go back up. The, um, idea of economic isolation has been proven to be completely broken and misguided. Um... It's the idea of, like, these oil shocks and the huge oil bills by 1970. The United States is $40 billion in debt. Um, 
foreign trade has gone from 10% of the gross national product to 27% of the gross national product, um, which is a real big problem um, for an isolationist country. Um, so the United States has to start thinking globally, especially with sort of the elderly and these fixed incomes um, being hurt with the decreasing value of the dollar. They have to do something to fix it. So in 1980, while the country is um, working at a $60 billion deficit, they raise interest rates to protect depreciation. The prime rate, which is like the best of the best rate, goes to 20% on the loan, which is insane. Um, the thesis of the times is small bus um, and really help the market, help construction. Um, Carter blames foreign oil and sort of foreign influence for this problem. Um, that the United States shouldn't have to be working at this small market, free market strategy. Um, and this is sort of seen in Iran when the CIA's um, sort of installed Shah uh, Pahlavi is overthrown in January 1979 by Muslim fundamentalists. Um, they cut off relations with the U.S. Um, and they cut off oil flow and OPEC hikes their prices and people are making lines for gas. And Carter is so angry he goes to Camp David, like doesn't isn't the president for 10 days and just sort of gets advice from like 100 people and he comes back with a malaise speech which is what the hell is wrong with you all stop being so greedy um he comes back to the white house fires four cabinet secretaries reorganizes everything kicks out all of his georgia buddies um public not a huge fan of being admonished by the president as it turns out um Overall, the idea of the social contract, which is for a strong federal government and active regulation, social help, and fixed income, that breaks. Um, and people shift to this idea of the free market and a small government. And neoconservatism um, is the new black. Um, is the new orange is the new black. Neoconservatism is the new black. Um, and these former liberals who are angry with the excess of the 1960s and 50s um, – go to a free market strategy um, where government restraint is key and welfare is a dirty word. Um, and they're very pro-family values. Milton Friedman and his wife, who are anti-Keynesianisms, i.e. anti-deficit spending, write the book called Free to Choose, which basically says the free market could work for social change. They're wrong based on the idea of human greed. Um, but things shift to the consumer. So... Um, People um, sort of begin looking to corporations as leaders instead of the government because um, it's private. So instead of uh, 189 corporate PACs like there were uh, sort of early 60s, that number booms to 1,024. Uh, everyone gets a lobbyist. Um, labor goes unreformed. Consumers get protection by the Consumer Protection Agency. Um, transport and communications and banks are all deregulated. Um, Carter is all fine with this. Um, tax is really the tipping point where there's a tax revolt in California that leads to these drastic tax cuts in the state. Um, and everyone's on board with it. And young Democrats are leaking behind this idea of the New Deal. Um, and everyone is for an open market. All right, Iran. Um, Carter and Brezhnev, um, who's the new leader of the USSR, uh, signed the Strategic Arms Limitation Talks Pact to the sequel, um, too salt, too salty, um, and that does do its job. Uh, it limits strategic weapons. The Senate though, though cuts it up uh, the treaty 
and they leave it unratified. And then some events go down the Persian Gulf, um, where in 1979, anti-American Muslim militants storm the American embassy in Tehran, which leads to a hostage crisis, and they are demanding that they ship back the um, expat Shah that America sort of took in before or after uh, the revolution in Iran. Um, the world is pissed with Iran. The United States can't really do anything because the USSR is so close by. And then the USSR goes into Afghanistan to try and start controlling the Middle East a little more in December 1979 for its oil. It's their Vietnam. They fail miserably. Carter, though, is angry. He embargoes green machines and the Moscow Olympics. Um, he also insults these uh, troops called the Rapid Deployment Forces for faraway crises. Everyone has to sign up for a potential draft, men and women. Salt. Um, goes unratified. The USSR was misjudged um, in its willingness to comply with American sort of limitation ideas. Um, Afghanistan manages to hold back the USSR in, again, Russia's Vietnam, but the Iranian hostage um, crisis is really bad public relations, public, you know, public image for the US. Um, U.S. tries to sanction their way out of the crisis. Um, they try to use world opinion to get to the negotiating table. Nothing changes, so they need a rescue mission, which they try. And then they use faulty equipment. Two planes crash into each other. It fails miserably. The national honor is demolished. Um, a stalemate continues between the two sides. Uh, they try to embargo. It doesn't really work. The public is ready to move on sort of back to, hey, let's be happy with our great economy, but there's no boom or prosperity to sort of look at. Um and inequality is on the rise, and sporadic economy movement, economic movement is the norm. Um, no one likes this idea of government activism, and people are getting increasingly polarized. But at the same time, you do have this real weird catch twenty two, of sort of you are also seeing an increase in rights and in acceptance of gay people and black people and all of the above. That is thirty eight. That might have been the last individual chapter. I'll ever cover. I'm pushing the A because 39 or 39, 40, 41 aren't being tested. And really, that just is Ronald to George to Bill to George to 9 11 to Big Boy Barack to Big Boy Donnie. Um, so, if that was the last chapter we ever do together, it's been an honor. I'm about to record a period review, which I'll sort of go over cursorily, cursorily, um, chapter 35, but not really, um, and the goal is to make that 30 minutes so I can go to bed at normal time. Until then, it is a departure here. I'm pushing the A.